Hello and welcome back to the Esports Startup. I'm lucky enough to have Nick Lesek in the office. Hello. He is our product manager and one of our longer employees, not in height, but in uh, career at Esports One. Sure. Yeah. Actually, in height, <laughs> you're pretty tall, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but I've been here maybe a year and a half, something like that. And um, where did you come from before that? Were you in esports? No, I was at a uh, B2B learning platform company. We built uh, software that companies use to train their employees. Um, basically, it was. It, it, this is something that's like a big deal in um, industries that had a, like a lot of regulation. So like healthcare um, and finance and things like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I came from there. That company was called Cornerstone. I was there for two and a half years, something like that. Um, but you, you've worked, you might have not worked in esports prior, but you did work in gaming, didn't you? Yeah, actually. Um, so after college, I went and got a uh, an associate's degree, actually. Um, went from a bachelor's back to an associate's um, uh, in game production. Uh, so we, we learned the basics of everything that goes into making a game. Things like design, art, animation, programming, all that fun stuff. Um, and uh, from there actually was a QA tester at 2K. Um, if you've ever played the game XCOM, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was just a tester, but um, uh, actually not the, the funnest job. But um, what, what does that involve just quickly? Because I, I know that's a lot of people when they wanted to get into esports or wanted to get into gaming mm-hmm. uh, or gaming particularly. Um, yeah, it's a good entry like, level. Oh, it seems like the dream job, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I was imagining like grandma's boy, everyone just sitting around playing video games all day, high-fiving each other. Um, but it's basically you're you're playing a broken piece of software over and over <laughs> for eight hours a day uh, minimum. There's a lot of overtime. Um, yeah, and, and you're you're looking for bugs and logging the bugs. Uh, wow, that sounds thrilling. It's grueling. <laughs> yeah, I think I just prefer to wait till the game comes out. It sounds yeah yeah. Um, and then. Uh, from there, I actually went to THQ, which is a now defunct um, uh, uh, publisher for, for video games. Uh, they were up there with like EA and Activision, things like that. Um, I was doing trade marketing there, which is like retail marketing. So we worked a lot with um, uh, basically like physical stores for the marketing that goes on in there, like, the, um, you know, these big displays in the store or, you know, how to position the game on the shelf and things like that. Uh, it was a mix of that as well as trade show coordination, which that was really fun. Uh, I, I really liked doing the trade show stuff. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, so I got to flex my project management skills there. Um, that's where I, I learned a lot of those skills. And, um, you know, you get to travel a lot, which was, uh, was super fun. Um, there would be like six months out of the year where it's just like nonstop travel um, going around the country. Even got to go to um, Whistler, Canada, which is like super nice uh, snowboarding slash ski resort town. Um, That was really, really cool. And I found out that Canadians are just way, way more active than than all us Americans. 
Well, every day they're like, let's go bungee jumping and uh, let's let's go skiing and snowboarding and let's uh, what what is it called? Let's go zip lining. And I'm like, ah, I I need a nap. <laughs> I just want to watch some TV. Yeah, I think half of Australia goes to Whistler to work on the mountain. Oh really? Yeah, so many like so many of my friends throughout like this high school and college years ended up going to Whistler. To like train to, people or something? Well, just to like, yeah, to work either lift operators or train or all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you'd meet a lot of Australians there as well. Um, so how did you get into product management specifically? Well, um, as what happens with a, a lot of product managers, it was kind of something that is it's not something I necessarily planned on. Um, it's something I kind of fell into and then fell in love with it. Um, so basically I was at, uh, a marketing company for like beauty products, um, in their digital department for like their websites and everything. And, uh, I was doing what they called, uh, I was a digital producer. Um, it was mostly because they were like a TV company. They made like a lot of infomercials. Um, and that's like their bread and butter and where they came from. Um, and then they introduced, uh, they found out about this thing called the internet and, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, put their, their products on, on the websites and everything. And they were just like, oh, so you like, you coordinate and uh, developers and all these people to build stuff. Oh, you're a producer, digital producer, you're a digital producer. Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. Um, but it became uh, clear pretty quickly that like for this company to succeed and grow, you need to embrace this whole internet thing. It's not going away. Um, so they decided to get really serious and build out this department and and start to treat this department and the rest of the company more like a internet company, uh, yeah. like an e-commerce company. Um, and so that entailed redefining some roles. So one day they were like, you're a product manager now. And I was like, what is... I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, so I, I looked it up and I did all this research and um, along with my, my fellow digital producers, now recently product managers. Um, and it was really cool. Like it like opened up this whole world I didn't even know was there at the time. Um, and uh, I remember one of my, um, my coworkers, he's like, oh, this whole product management thing, this is, this is a really big deal. Like, this is a huge step forward for us. Like, take this very seriously. And, and um, so I did, and, and I studied the hell out of it, um, you know, trained myself on a lot of best practices and things like that, reading books and articles and, um, you know, talking to people. And uh, was actually able to help build out the product management discipline uh, there, uh, since I seemed to be one of the folks that, that cared uh, to do so. And, um, yeah, it, it just being able to learn and teach these things and then apply them in real life, um, was, it was just so cool. And I was, it's one of those jobs that like, um, you can see the results with, with numbers and everything. You can, you can gauge your success. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's how I got started. And then from there I went to that, um, that learning company I was telling you about where that had a mature product management organization already in place and uh, was able to learn a lot more there as well. Yeah, Nick 
is awesome at what he does. Seeing him actually work with the team and coordinate and um, he's so organized um, and understands what's happening at all time. I've got, I've got a lot of respect for um, product managers out there. I don't think <laughs> I don't think I could do it as well as you for sure. Um, for I'm those sure you could. <laughs> <laughs> you give me too much credit, I'm blushing. Um, as for um, somebody out there that may, may just be starting a um, esports company or uh, mm. maybe not aware of what a product manager does, can you kind of give us maybe a little bit about what the overall position does and maybe what a day-to-day might look like? Yeah, I mean, the, the easiest way to describe product management is a product manager's job is to make sure that we're building the right product. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, it, you can look up um, like success metrics for your product, uh, things, uh, you know, like key performance indi- indicators. So um, your daily active users, things like that, and uh, where people are, are running into issues with your product and um, and where they're, they're frequenting the product and what tools they're using and everything. Um, so you can use that that quantitative data to really get a feel for um, how your product is being used. Because uh, there are times you'll build a product and people are using a feature that um, uh, you didn't think would be like a, a core feature. Um, and if you didn't have those kind of quantitative metrics to uh, point that out to you, you wouldn't know, you'd be flying blind. Um, so that that's one aspect of it uh, to figure out what to build, and the the other aspect is the, the qualitative part, so the people part. How do people feel about your product? What are they saying about your product? Would they recommend your product? Um, and the best way to to get a feel for that is, you know, read reviews of, of your product, uh, talk to people who are using your product, um, and really get to understand not just how they use your product, but the, tr- the, the problems that they're trying to solve by using your product. Um, so a product manager's job is it's this like mix of art and science. You got You have on one side um, these these really like fact-based numbers. Uh, on the other side, you have the like touchy-feely part of you know how people feel about your product. And both are extremely important. And it's a matter of combining those things to figure out what to build. Um, but that's just part of it, right? Once you figure out what to build, you got to build uh, an entire roadmap. Um, it, it's usually to have like it's a good idea to have like. A, a five-year vision and then a three to six-month roadmap um, just because things change so quickly. If you try to make a, a two-year roadmap, there is no way that nothing will change in those two years. So um, you build out that roadmap, um, communicate that with the rest of the company, and then work with a team of designers and developers to build out your product. Um, so, I mean, a, a product manager kind of sits at this intersection of business design and tech. Uh, it serves as the, the bridge between those areas to kind of pull everything together. And there's a, there's a lot of different skills involved, both people skills as well as technical skills. It really does help um, if a product manager has some basic level of understanding of programming and, um, and, and the tools that their developers are using. Um, and then on the design side, uh, if you can speak that design language, it really helps you interface with your UX designers and, and come up with, with good solutions. Uh, to the problems that your users are facing. And obviously on the business side, you are responsible for the success of your product. Um, if the team builds this this amazing product that is completely bug-free and they built it super fast, but no one's using it, that's on the product manager. Um, so when I explain product management, I, 
again, the easiest way to explain it is my role is to make sure that we're building the right product. But just that sentence is just, it's very loaded. There's a lot that goes into that. So how, how much influence would you have over choosing the product to build? Does it vary within companies or are you the kind of go-to person? How would that work? Uh, it, it's, it, it depends on, on the company. It depends on the product manager. Um, uh, the way I approach things is, is a bit more collaborative. Um, there are product managers out there who um, go for the like, you know, what I say goes type thing. Usually it doesn't go well, doesn't build a lot of trust with your team. Um, I really believe that, uh, you know, more brains are valuable than, than one. Um, if, if we put our minds together, we're always going to come up with something better than I would have come up with on my own. So when it comes to what product to build, yes, the product manager is, is an integral part of that um, to really get to understand the problem and present that to their team but also work with the team to come up with the solution to those problems. Um, you know, just defining that, that, pro that problem in the first place is, is a challenge. I mean, you gotta get out there, you gotta talk to people, you gotta look at um, the market and, and what it's saying. And there's, there's a lot of research that goes into that and a lot of that is on the product manager. Um, but it's also incumbent on them to, once they have a good feel for the problem, to bring that to their team. Uh, so I like to be a bit more collaborative about it. Um, I, I just find that I, that always results in a better product. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a it's a good idea, and especially when you've got a lot of different experts, and especially a new industry like esports. Mm -hmm. um, being able to talk to a, a variety of people that have that maybe watch different games or involved yeah. in different elements of the industry, or you know, based on their previous experience or what they enjoy. And, and um, we have a lot of really really knowledgeable. Uh, esports people, um, uh, these like subject matter experts who've been in, uh, involved with you know League of Legends esports for a long time, and we got uh, Lewis Smith who's like our our league guru. We got uh, Johnny right here <laughs> who's uh, thank you our our Dota legend, and um, yeah, I mean it, it it really helps to to lean on those people and learn from them if if you're going to be successful as a product manager. Yeah, I think that, I think that's smart. Um, so coming from other industries, I know you did work in video games technically, but yeah. have you found any difference between building products in the industries that you previously worked in compared to esports? Well, there's definite differences, obviously, in the product themselves, but uh, I mean, there's a, a huge amount of carryover. Um, I'd say the biggest differentiator when it comes to building products of like uh, different kinds of products is, is this, are you building this for companies, so B2B, or are you building this for just the general public, B2C, so uh, business to business or business to consumer? Um, just because what's involved, like the approach is uh, a bit different. Um, so my previous company was mainly focused on B2B, and it makes it, the, the, the dynamic is there, uh, is a bit different there because um, your, your motivation is, is a bit different. I mean, the way you make your money in B2B is by securing business deals. So you, at the end of the day, want to solve your client's problem and build solutions that work for your clients and, um, uh, and focus on that. So, for example, um, with this learning platform, um, the people we were selling the product to 
is like the learning administrators and the C-level executives at a company. They're not the ones who are actually going to be using the product. That is their, um, their employees. Um, and the priorities of a C-level executive and the learning administrator is, can be different than the priorities of uh, an employee. So like um, the learning administrator is concerned with making sure that everyone can prove they can reliably prove that someone learned something, which requires uh, a decent amount from the employee. Um, I mean, no one is thrilled to take company-mandated training, um, but it's it's something that's necessary for the success of that client and their company. Um, so we make sure we would build products, uh, or build features uh, for the people who um, were responsible for disseminating the product. Um, and obviously we wanted to build a great experience for their employees as well. But in terms of priorities, it's a little different than compared to like B2C. B2C, it's just 100% about your end user. You build for that end user and solve their problems. That is your number one priority. Um, and yeah, so it, it's just, it's slightly different um, from company to company. Uh, obviously, as I said, the, the products themselves and the industries are different. Um, but all the, the, the rules like, uh, and the tenets of product management are the same. Um, you know, you got to do a lot of that, that continuous research to really understand your space, your industry, your market, um, and your customer so that you can build the, the best product possible for them. Um, you know, the whole process of, of working with developers, you know, people are people no matter where you go. Treat them with respect and trust and you'll, you'll get a, um, a good product out of it. Uh, that's true no matter where you go. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's what I'd, I'd say is like the, the differences and similarities uh, between these different industries. I think um, in the end, you, you just need to understand who your audience is, especially when you're doing the B2C, right? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously an eSports fan is going to be different to someone that's using a training platform. Yeah. So it's not, regardless of the industry, you just have to listen. Um, yeah, and it's also important to, to focus as well. Um, like, if you try to build a product that you think is going to be useful for everyone, um, and unless it is like a basic universal human need that you're solving, uh, like social media is helping with, well, arguably helping with <laughs> our, our human need to interact with each other and be social, right? Um, so like social media platforms like Facebook and things like that. Um, apply to everyone because it's it's problem that it's solving is is universal um, but obviously the industry that we're in esports is still I mean it's, it's huge obviously but it's still niche compared to other industries like it's it's still um, in its early stages uh, so we have a very specific audience that we're catering to here um, and if we try to build something that uh, is beyond the scope of esports or we're trying to you know build this this huge thing from the very beginning what you're going to end up with is a shallow product that doesn't really solve the core needs of um, the the group that, that you're focusing on that you care about um, so yeah oh, that's good um, all right, let's talk a little bit about the actual process of building a product because it seems complex to me, but 
you seem to do it very well and very easily. <laughs> so maybe just go through like a few of the main things that you would do when, when building something out. Sure. I mean, the, the first thing we look at uh, is start with the problem. You know, what we want to do is build something that's useful and valuable at the end of the day. Um, and the only way you're going you're gonna to know what that problem is, is to do your research. Um, the way we do it here is really cool. We, we kind of divide and conquer and then share. So we'll have one person do like competitor research. We'll have one person do user research. Another one does market research. And then we all come together um, and we put them together on this, this big um, virtual board uh, and, and just that, that has like links to articles and, and, and all these things. And then we, we all get together and walk each other through what we found. Um, that's one of the advantages of working at a startup. Um, you know, everyone is, is happy to play multiple roles. Um, but really understanding that pro problem is, is super important. Um, from there, depending on the scope of the uh, solution to that problem, um, or how, how big we think that solution will be, um, we may do a design sprint. So um, if you're not familiar with the design sprint, it's basically a process for coming up with a idea that is as close as possible to solving um, the right problem uh, from the very beginning. And it was um, pioneered by Google Ventures, a couple guys at Google Ventures. And um, basically, you know, as a venture capital company, they would go from startup to startup and, and um, you know, would fund these different startups. And they saw a lot of the same problems um, that they were having in terms of process and how to uh, and how to build these products and, and build the most useful product. Uh, and they kind of saw all these similarities and put it together, uh, put together a process that will help um, no matter who you are, um, uh, help you build a, a solution. And basically it is a five day process um, where you get really familiar with the, the problem that you're, you're dealing with. You come up with ideas uh, separately and then come back together and, and share them with each other. You vote on them uh, democratically with um, one person that has veto power uh, just to keep things moving, which I thought was smart. And uh, you build a very quick prototype, kind of like a, it doesn't have to be a fully functioning product. Um, uh, it can be a clickable wireframe through something like Envision, for example. Um, and then you, you put it in front of actual users and get their opinion, make any uh, tweaks that are necessary, um, which is great. Uh, and, and what I really like about the process is it really condenses um, a lot of things um, that go into building uh, or coming up with an idea and validating it. And it does it in a, a very uh, short amount of time. Um, I mean, five days might seem like a lot of time to, to take out uh, of your, your, work, your, your team's um, you know, working life, but it really pays dividends down the line because you already you got ahead of a lot of the issues that um, you would get if you would run into if you hadn't gone through a process like this. Because typically people just um, kind of rush the whole process of, oh, no, no, I already know this space. Trust me, I know how to solve this problem. And then they go and just say, all right, go do it and then go through the entire process of building this product and, and launching your MVP and turns out you were way off. Now you have to reiterate and start the whole cycle over again. 
you can get ahead of that stuff with the design sprint. So it's a, it's a process that I really like uh, and am a huge advocate for um, here at, at eSports One, and it, it works very, very well. Um, so once you have that validated idea of what you want to build, it's time to uh, put together everything that the developers are going to need for them to be able to, to build this product. So um, obviously the designs, you know, you're working with your UX designers to um, really build out that idea that you came up with and, um, or sorry, that your team came up with. It's, it's, I'm not a believer in product managers just saying like, this is what we're going to build and this is how it's going to look and go do it. Um, that's, that's not fun for anyone. Um, but basically work with your designer, they go out and build it or they go out and um, come up with the design. You run it by your team, um, make sure it's feasible every step of the way. You don't want to design something and then put it in front of a developer and they're like, there's, there's absolutely no way <laughs> we're going to be able to build this in the, in a relative, uh, in a reasonable time frame. So um, you get those designs together, bring it to the team, and then uh, you chop it up into what are called user stories. Um, this is part of like the agile process, but it's just a way of representing the requirements of a product from the point of view of an end user. Um, it's really useful uh, in that it really keeps everyone grounded on the needs of the user throughout the uh, entire process of building the product so that no one loses sight of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Uh, I think it's uh, really easy for a developer to fall into the trap of just just tell me what to build, man, and I'll go build it. Um, what we want to do is really make sure that everyone's bought into you know, the problem that we're solving and, and the solution that we came up with, because at the end of the day, it's going to make for a much more useful product. So we build out those user stories, um, make sure that the developers have everything they need on all these user stories. We prioritize them from most important uh, to least important, just in like a stacked rank product backlog. and um, get to building them. And we we use uh, sprints, uh, which are basically just time boxed periods of time in which the team does work. And they're consistent in terms of length, such that you can kind of gauge, well, how much are we getting done per sprint? Uh, and if you know how much you're getting done per, per sprint, and you know how big your backlog is, you can make projections on to when things are going to get finished. Um, and that's what we do. You know, we we work in those sprints, the team meets every day syncs up um, and you know talks about if there's anything blocking each other um, and uh, at the end of each sprint everyone kind of demos their work or we demo the products um, not just to each other but to people outside of the development team um, so we can get feedback and make any necessary tweaks again to keep us grounded on the uh, the product itself and the the users themselves um, and we also look back in terms of process, you know, what went right, what went wrong, how can we improve, and carry that into the next sprint, uh, with the goal there being that hopefully we can get more done over time. Uh, in each sprint, we'll get a little bit more done, a little bit more done, um, because we're starting to work better and better together. Um, you know, and we, we go down through through the backlog until we hit this threshold that we've defined ahead of time as the, the MVP or minimum viable product. Um, which is just the, what is the most, what is the smallest, most valuable product that we can build to start getting feedback on? So 
we get to that point, build out the MVP, and immediately put it in front of users, get feedback on it. You know, we'll come up with uh, new stories based on that, also based off of the uh, metrics of how people are using the product. And then just start that cycle over and you, you iterate and improve the product such that over time, if, if you think of it like a, like a puzzle piece, like a, a space for a puzzle piece, and that is your problem, you want to build a puzzle piece that over time kind of shapes itself to fit into that problem that you're solving. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's the process we, we implement here. I mean, we've, we've been doing it for a while now. We're, we're getting pretty, pretty damn good at it. Yes, yeah, so I got a question um, with um, building a product. You talked about user stories staying the same. Um, or the sprint length. Sprint length. But like the target audience of their product, right? Ah, well, yeah, that, yeah. Sorry, um, I'm not a product manager, manager, so my terminology is going to be way off. <laughs> but this is good. Like this is really um, interesting to you. I've obviously a lot of conversations with Nick, um, but he's a world of knowledge. So there's always more I can learn. Um, how often would a you know a product change from when you've started? Are there elements where you might consider? We're building the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Let's go for that. And and how does that? How would you a, pro, a good product manager kind of work around that? It really depends. Um, there does come a point in um, a lot of product managers' career or or tenure at a certain uh, company or a product that they're building where they have to make a decision. Like, are we just so far off right now that it's worth pivoting and and going in a completely new direction, um, or uh, sometimes you pivot because the solution you built was actually useful for a completely different audience that you didn't expect. Um, and then the pivot happens by focusing on a new audience, um, which uh, obviously changes the, the course of the product. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, there, there are other situations where the, the product itself um, is doing okay, and it, but there's still a lot of room for, for improvement so that it evolves slowly over time, um, like that original uh, metaphor that I, that I made but, um, with the puzzle piece. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely changes over time. And it's, as I said, it's a bit of an art and a bit of a science to really recognize how drastically you need to uh, either change direction or double down on, on the direction that you're going. Um, there is a really good use case from, from Superhuman um, where they're basically saying like, it's very obvious when you have a product that has achieved product market fit. And it's very obvious when you have a product that hasn't. Um, a product that has has users lining up out the door, there are investors throwing money at you, um, and you can barely keep up with demand. That means the you are solving a huge problem in this market. Um, a product that hasn't achieved product market fit has a few users um, and maybe like a small audience, but they don't seem that passionate about your products. They're not very vocal. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of revenue coming in. Um, and investors aren't there, you know, they, they, they feel like the, the product is floundering. And you can tell if you've achieved that or not. Um, so it, it really, it's a company decision uh, as well as the product manager's decision, obviously. Um, 
but it it is one of those things that you can you can tell if there's time if there's a need for uh, to go to a different direction. Yeah, the, the reason why I um, uh, said that is because I've actually been reading a few articles just in research for our conversation and did see a few companies not in the esports space that have had to make some like pretty major pivots mm-hmm. because they didn't really do the initial research or they weren't building the right product for their audience. Yeah. Um, also, a, a big pitfall is when teams just kind of. They define what they're going to build, and then they put their head down, and they start coding for, like, months and months and months, and they don't put it in front of anyone. That is, can can set yourself up. That You can set yourself up for failure there um, because in the time that it took to build that that thing, the, the market could have changed. The, um, the needs of the user themselves could change. Or maybe, you know, you built something that was useful, a year ago, but it's not useful anymore. Um, you know, that's why it's it's important to make sure that you're you're putting your product in front of people as soon as possible, so you can get ahead of that kind of scenario. But sorry, go ahead. No, no. Where, where's the line of, um, you know, putting it out too early or you know waiting way too late? Like, obviously, it's hard. It does a like a really subjective question, but mm-hmm. is there kind of a way to determine when? you can push something out that's not too early? Yeah, well, you need um, like a, a complete like loop of, of a product. Um, you basically, you they need to be able to g- go through and solve the problem from beginning to end um, in order for you to reach, you know, the, the MVP of your, of your product. Um, what you don't want to do is build something that solves half of the problem and uh, and kind of just leaves them hanging on the on the back end um, yeah it, like you said it, it is pretty uh, subjective but um, yeah like what I do is I, as I map out like just from a problem point of view the user journey of the th- kinds of things they would want achieved by the end of using your product and if you can build a few core features um, that will help them achieve, uh, help them reach the end of that journey, um, then you have your MVP. And everything else that you build should be ways to optimize that journey. So um, like if you have a search feature for them to, to find what they're looking for, um, in the beginning, it, it could be, you know they have to type something in and then hit enter. Um, but towards the end, it's uh, a, a predictive search that you know it starts completing what they were even thinking as they were they were typing it. Um, obviously, one is easier to build than the other, um, and one is one takes a lot more work. Um, but the outcome is the same of them finding what they were looking for. Um, so start with the 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 minimum to help them solve their their problem. But make sure you're solving their problem. Yep. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I've also seen examples of companies building things that they want to build rather than what actually needs to be built. It's I think it's a fine line. Um, you know, I especially think it's relevant in esports. You know, mm-hmm. it's still very early on. Um, you know, companies still working out the best ways to monetize the audience. Um, it's a common thing we hear um, yep. from investors and other yep. startups in the space that we talk to. 
um, trying to work out. And so there is a little bit of trial and error, but you know, putting your product out there um, is it's kind an of experiment, the best way. right? Yeah. Um, and what the best way to do it is that whole loop of carrying out of, you know, defining the experiment, testing it out, getting feedback, and seeing if it worked or not. If you can shorten that loop as much as possible, then you're going to find the solution faster than anyone else. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, what, like traditionally, what roles would a PM come in contact with? Like who, who are your um, kind of I guess, stakeholders? Yeah. Um, well, obviously you work with a lot of uh, programmers, developers to build the product. Um, and uh, you also work with a lot of design folks to um, really get a feel for how the product is going to flow and look. Um, and then the, the last piece of like that triangle is the business side. Um, so working with uh, the marketing team, sales team, C-level executives, and making sure that everyone's aware of what you're doing and, um, and on board uh, with, with the vision that you've set for your products. Um, yeah, so like, uh, as I mentioned before, it's like product sits in the middle of those three areas, the, the tech side, the design side, and the business side. Um, so in terms of who you're interfacing with, it's just the folks that are within those, those three disciplines. Uh, definitely. Um, the other thing I was going to ask is, it, was there any specific tools that you would use or like recommend to the to anyone that's starting an esports startup out there and mm. needs either is becoming a PM or you know needs to hire one and know what tools to get? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's 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 a lot of different tools you can use out there. Um, some are more complicated than others. I think it's important as a PM to always keep an open mind and look for new tools um, that are simpler and easier to use um, for your specific situation. Um, there are some tools uh, that I can recommend on that you know, are, are very, very simple to use. Um, so when you're building something out and using uh, a Kanban board, um, which is it's just uh, a board of columns that represent statuses like to do and progress done um, with cards in them that uh, you move through the columns over time. Uh, that's a Kanban board. And one of the easiest ones you can make is just on, uh, on Trello. Um, but it's free, anyone can use it. Uh, it's a great way to keep track of what your team is building. Um, on the complete opposite end of that spectrum, like on the research side, we started using, um, it's called Miro. Uh, it's basically like a whiteboard um, that you can draw on, you can put uh, sticky notes and everything that, like that, but it's all digital and it's all real time. Uh, you can see what everyone is doing, uh, like where their cursors are and what they're adding and all that. And it, it's all updating in real time. Um, it feels like you're using a real physical board, um, but you can add, you know, links and videos and uh, things that you couldn't do uh, on, a, on a physical board. Um, and it's great for when you're working with remote folks as well. I mean, you don't have to have like a camera running 24-7 staring at a whiteboard or anything like that. Um, however, um, I will recommend getting a whiteboard <laughs> just to uh, uh, be able to uh, put your ideas, uh, uh, like kind of put them out there um, very quickly. Uh, you can easily erase things and, and um, take pictures of it and share it with the team and all that. Like whiteboarding is, is <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that like as a product manager, 90% of product managers, when they're talking um, about an idea, they have to have 
a whiteboard next to them so they can start drawing it out and thinking through this stuff. Um, in terms of other tools, I mean, uh, something useful for keeping track of your industry is to use Google News and put in the right tags for your industry and um, to spend some time in the morning, every morning, read articles on the latest of what's going on in, in your particular industry um, so that you know, you're not completely caught off guard when, if something drastic happens uh, and you'll be able to adapt quickly. Um, let's see. I'm just going to jump in for a second and yeah. um, talking about whiteboards. So if you go into <laughs> our uh, boardroom, we've actually used that kind of, I don't know what it's like to paint and it works like a whiteboard. So we have mm -hmm. half of the, the boardroom um, you're able just to draw it on and that's on the all, entire wall. Yeah, yeah it, it's so useful. We've got we put so many notes on there, you know, not just the, the product management team, the content team does it, um, you know, uh, uh, Matt and our, our CEO Sharon, like they do, um, you know, anything to do with biz dev and um, investor notes and stuff like that. So it, it's useful for everyone to kind of have something like that. It's something mm -hmm. you probably overlook, but being able to just to throw things on the board for kind of everyone to see has been so useful for us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I also thought of a few more tools. So for making uh, clickable prototypes, uh, Envision is a great tool. Uh, that's Envision, I N Vision. Um, where basically you have a series of images um, and you kind of link them together such that if you click this part of an image, it will load this other image. And what it allows you to do is to fake a product, essentially, um, which is great for um, getting feedback very early on from users. You can put that in front of them. Um, but it's also super helpful for developers to build things out. They can see um, what the user flow is and how things interact with each other um, without them actually programming it yet, um, which is, is super useful for them. Um, and then lastly, uh, there are tools out there to help you get customer feedback. Um, one that I really like is usertesting.com where you get to set your, your audience. Um, they have this huge pool of people that get paid to provide their feedback on products and you set your criteria for that pool and then um, you can ask guided questions um, but they also will record themselves using their product and thinking out loud uh, which is which is really really helpful as a, as a product manager um, it's funny when you build this feature and you think it's super obvious and you just see them going like well how do i like i really want to do this but i really can't see how to do that and like you're like screaming at the screen like the button's right there it's right there but it's not their fault if if it's not intuitive that's your fault um so uh these are the kinds of things that uh you know is is really useful to know and um usertesting.com is is one of them it's a it's a really great tool to to get that qualitative feedback all right and last of all so for the esports startups out there that are looking to hire a pm what are some like traits um, that are worth looking for um, in a PM? Uh, well, problem solving skills obviously is a big one. Um, PMs deal with a lot of obscurity, so they need to be able to go out and find solutions to problems without a lot of guidance. Um, so that problem solving skill uh, combined with autonomy, you're looking for people who um, are self-starters. Uh, I think that's super important. Uh, also, people that are able to think flexibly um, so they can see uh, a lot of different solutions to the same problem. 
one of the uh, questions I got asked in my interview um, at my previous company was like, name all the ways that you can use newspaper. Um, and it was like, well, you can, um, you know, fold it up and make it into little boats and transport that across water. You can read the newspaper and, and get information on it. You can burn the newspaper for, for heat, things like that. Like you're, you're, you're look, looking for people who can think about the same thing in a lot of different ways. Um, because what you don't want a product manager to do is to get really attached to a certain way of uh, solving a problem and refuse to budge. Because um, what's important at the end of the day is that you're solving the problem, not that um, you know, you're, you're building the solution that is most important to you. Um, so you need to be able to think outs uh, or think outside of yourself. I think that's super important as as a product manager. Um, also, obviously, you should have a certain level of technical knowledge just to help you communicate with developers. You should have a certain level of design knowledge to to be able to, to work effectively with your designers. Um, and uh, the, those people skills, I think, are super super important. Um, you know, it, the product manager is like the glue that kind of holds everything together for the product um, and, and guides the product. And if if you can't communicate the vision of your product, for example, you can't get people on board or you can't, um, you know, effectively communicate why we're building what we're building uh, to your team, no one's going to care and you're going to end up with a, a crap product. Um, so I think those interpersonal skills are super important as well. Um, those people that are able to um, communicate well um, and often without, uh, you know, taking too much of people's time, I think is, is really important. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's wrap it up there. I think that was super useful. Um, really enjoyed that one. Um, cool. So if, if you guys have any questions, you can actually reach out to Nick directly as well on yeah. his LinkedIn. Uh, it's Nick Lesec, L E. S-E-C, I nearly <laughs> forgot how to spell it. Um, he's a world of knowledge, super nice guy, loves esports, um, so he's really worth asking questions to. Um, otherwise, you can um, hit us up on the company's LinkedIn, um, Twitter, Instagram, whatever platform we've got it. Well, thank <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all, all at once, please. All right, well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone.